Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my summary of the annual pass so far. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always come in live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Come on in and join in the conversation. If I'm not live, throw me a follow so you can catch these whenever I'm doing them. We have a really good time and really good discussions. Uh, we're going to be working on some milestones right before reset, so I'm going to try and fly through the content while taking these questions. First question comes from uh, Lost You Are. says, do you think it would be balanced if you died uh, to an invader, all your motes get dropped instead of deleted? Well, I mean, they're trying to add that element with the collector. The collector gets that as a perk. He doesn't drop all of them, by the way. Um... So if you think he's going to drop all of them, you've uh, you've got some uh, some bad news coming your way. He drops about 50%. So um, whenever you're just run, I'm dumb. We're doing dailies. Sorry. Um, I'm like trying to actually fight the enemies. I'm stupid. <laughs> you're not supposed to fight the enemies in Destiny. You run past them. So they're already trying to add that element with the collector. Again, they're trying to incentivize you using different builds. And I, I think they've come up with some pretty good ideas I will admit when they send over the big 20 blocker guy he's pretty daunting we melted him pretty fast but we got lucky we were all at the plate when it happened and so he died pretty quickly if you're not all at the plate when he gets summoned he could be a significant pain point for teams but again the concern I would have in Gambit is that if they if, if a team is is summoning for I'm sorry invading first and then while the, after they do that, they get to send the big guy because they have somebody that banks for twenty, or they're going to summon first and they're going to let their they're going to let their collector get to twenty. They're not only going to get to summon uh, invade first, drain your moats. They're also going to send somebody over that's going to make it incredibly difficult for you, uh, incredibly difficult for you to to even have a, a leg up in the fight. You're, it's, it's, it's again it's more snow on the snowball I just feel like for teams that get ahead off a of first invade they just keep putting more snow on the snowball if you wait to ban- you don't you never ever ever bank until you get to 25 ever in Gambit Prime you wait to 25 if you're being organized and you're letting the collector your white collector guy get 20 so he can basically send over a giant blocker you're going to drain moats there's a giant blocker they have to kill and you're invading there's like three sources of pain from basically uh, there's three sources of pain from essentially nothing I mean they're, they're, all they're doing is this banking moats and saving so that's something again to consider because what you're doing is is you're creating I think a huge pendulum swing right off the bat at the beginning of the content and I'm not necessarily saying I think a lot of people have taken my points literally they're just taking them literally they're like oh you're saying you can't come back you can't come back when I say that I'm kind of just I'm speaking generally if someone banks a 25 and gets to 50 before you get to 25 you're probably not coming back from that you know nine out of ten chance you know it's they're they're gonna they're gonna pull ahead and probably win uh, 20 Bakker drains uh, super energy as well yeah I have no idea he's a joke I don't know blood we it took four of us to kill him fast and we again we got lucky we were all on the plate and because we were all on the plate he died relatively quickly again I just think if properly used I'm not saying they should structure the content for solo players, but properly used, my concern will be that 
teams effectively, you know, using effective strategy of waiting, banking once they get 25, invading, moat draining, and invading at the same time. It's just more snow on the snowball and makes it even seemingly more insurmountable. Um, so I don't think he's a joke. I felt like he was a pretty stout little boss. Uh, all out, uh, all out, no leg says, what do you think is the best addition to this season? I think the best addition this season is the new perks. Like adding new perks is something we've been asking for, for a while. So I would say they need to do more of that because whenever you add new perks, it's more exciting. You can experiment, but the lack of agency, I think kind of ruins it for me because it's like, well, if you added new perks, but you don't give me agency, it think about it. You don't even get a chance you don't even get a chance to try. You're you're basically just like I might get one of the uh, one of the new ones. I might. I might 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 might. So, I would say great that they added new perks. The lack of agency kind of makes it a bit of a frustration point. Uh, Vader's ghost. What would you propose to fix this issue with invading? I agree with you. It's too influential, especially first invade. This is the suggestion that I have come up with for invasion and feel free to say that it's stupid or that they could never pull it off. I think invasion should be about something that you do rather than people that you kill. So when you go over, Moat Drain is completely fine. You can leave Moat Drain in place. But the invader comes over, and the invader is invincible. And he has to go and grab a randomly spawned ball in the room. So he, he invades, he's, his spawn is random, and the ball is random. And it has to, you know, he has to travel a decent time to get it. There is a timer counting down on his invade. If he successfully grabs that ball and slams it on their bank, he steals, like, ten moats. Something like that. Something that's painful but it isn't it isn't game changing it isn't going to change the entire flow of the game uh it's it's he, you're not you're not suddenly losing cuz he had a successful invade well how do we stop him i think you make him invincible and because he's invincible you slow him down by shooting him and when you slow him down by shooting him uh it, it makes it clear that you're going to be distracted by his invade. Potentially, sometimes you might be like, you know what, let's just get these HVTs, we'll take the loss. Right? We'll take the loss. He's going to slam our bank, steal 10 moats, no worries. Okay? And you just take the loss. So, you might have to make it more painful than that. Okay? If you make it more painful than that, then people would actually have to pay attention to it. At the heart of my idea, even if my idea needs tweaked, he can't kill anybody, guys. Think about it. He's invincible because his goal is to grab a ball and slam it on the bank. Okay? He's not... He's not, uh, he's not able to, to do any damage to you. That's not why he's over. He's trying to steal. He's an invader. Like, he's a spy. He's trying to steal moats from you. And if you shoot him, you slow his movement to keep him from doing it, hoping that he runs out of time. So, again, the spirit of what I'm trying to come up with is this. Is this. I'm trying to come up with something that is manageable by the, by the team that's being invaded. If they want to try to manage it, then they, they can choose to manage it. And if they do, it still has an intrinsic pain point. If you invade first, that's going to have an effect over what's going on. And when that happens, you have an advantage, but it's not turning, it's not, uh, it's not turning the tide of the entire match, right? 
So you you know you, you can try to slow him down. Think about a team that successfully stops him and slows him down. They already have their moats. They bank their moats. They continue doing what they're doing. So a good invader would have to go over and be fast, be slick, be whatever, be strategic about where they go and how they navigate the room so that they can slam that thing on the uh, on the moat. I'm sorry, on the on the bank. Again, I'm not saying my idea is perfect. What I'm trying to propose is something that is manageable and reasonable because I feel like right now invasion is incredibly tough to manage it's very very easy for them to kill you uh, just somebody with a thunderlord or a hammerhead all they they have an overshield and, and, and wall hacks okay they're they're something that is not PvP right because even passively even passively the way they have set up invasion everything comes to a screeching halt he can see through the walls he can see where you're going he has an overshield he's able to he's able to uh, he's able to come over with heavy because of the heavy spawn rate they basically turn him into a god a terminator and they drop him on your side so everybody stops what they're doing because if you don't you're probably gonna get killed and then he, there's there's so much intrinsic pain associated with it. I'm trying to create something that is in the spirit of the game mode. You come over, you're all smoky and black, and you grab this orb, and you slam it on their bank, and you steal some moats, and that's a good invade. Because again, I think the spirit of the game is to keep teams in closer proximity instead of good first invade, you drained moats, you got kills, they now have 10 moats, and you're banking 50. Like, a well-executed invade completely sets the game up to be... It's a complete landslide. And I'm not saying good teams shouldn't have advantages, but a good team in my scenario, you would be ahead. You would have advantages, but it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be without question, like, oh, no, this team could come back. Not because of catch-up mechanics. They just rally and do the right things and have a good invade on their own, or maybe they just are better at boss mousing. I don't know. Uh, if you can't kill the guardian, then it's not in the spirit of the game. I don't, I don't understand what's in the spirit of the game. It's gambit. It's a completely new, brand new, made up game mode, where it's a PvP game mode in disguise. It's supposed to be PvPVE, but the single most important thing in the game is first invade. That is the single greatest and most important thing, and they just put more snow on the snowball. So. I'm not saying my idea is perfect. I'm just trying to come up with ideas that would be more in the spirit of manageable pain that if executed well does give the other team a, a, a jump, but not an insane jump that we get now from one good invade. Thoughts on drop rates and reckoning tier three? The gun drop should be guaranteed. If you're not going to give me agency with bounties, then he should drop a gun every time. How many freaking weapons can he drop? 15? And within those 15 guns, there's a, I mean, there's plenty of crap rolls you can get. I, I would say he should drop a gun every time, guaranteed. Uh, I'm a 688. I just got a 688 drop and I'm a 687. So Milo still got a plus one. That doesn't even make any sense. That's not supposed to, so it sounds like it's still happening. That's not that's not cool because they were supposedly patching it. Um, I'm saying your solution is the other extreme. Instead of fixing the PvP part, you're removing it. I'm I'm I am removing it because I don't think it's I don't think it's a healthy point in the game. I think it's a complete 
I think I think it's a complete and utter departure from the spirit of a game mode that's about killing invaders and killing a boss. I'm sorry, killing killing and banking moats and killing a boss. It's basically a PvP game mode. And you're like, well, fix the PvP aspect of it. The only other way you fix the PvP aspect of it is, is the suggestion that we had about relics. You pick a relic before you go over, and each relic is tuned to be more balanced. There's a melee relic, an explosive relic, and a sniping relic. And when you do that, each relic can be tweaked to be more reasonable so that you're, you know, you're not able to go over and get kills as easily. But still, the, the, the method of invading... You're, you're thinking, I still think we're thinking too one-dimensionally if we think that the main issue with invasion is just because it has wall hacks and an overshield. That's a problem with the form of invasion, but the spirit of invasion and how it happens in the game, Milo has literally invaded and gotten no kills, but because of moat drain and the fact that he's over there for 30 seconds, the, the, the actual spirit of invasion breaks the entire flow of the game. It breaks the flow of the game. It's not a. It's not about taking away wall hacks. It's not about taking away. Um, it's not about taking away his overshield. Finally, if, oh, I'm on a Titan. Never mind. Well, that's a huge jump, though. Seventy-eight on a sixty. I thought I was on my warlock. I really need gauntlets on my warlock. Even if, even if you you took away his overshield, even if you took away his his wall hacks, even if you did the idea that we've had with the, even if you do do the idea that we've had with the relics, you're still having the game potentially completely turned on the tide and the hinge of that first invade. Still, because again, you're you're creating an environment where th- that f- getting that first invade. He would still invade and be able to kill and stake, take moats. You would still have, you would still have um, the issue of moat drain. You would still have the issue of while he's invading, even if you hide, the other team is screaming their way to 50, so then they get to invade twice. It, there, it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a complete another other it's a complete under steamroll. Even if you change the nature of invasion, the spirit of invasion is a hinge turn. What's good, Destin? How could it be fixed? I don't honestly know how you fix not having first invade become a huge problem because right now, first to invade, especially if you hold on to your moats, you do not bank anything. Bank at twenty five, blocker, blocker, blocker. You're now draining and you're invading. So they're losing moats from drain. You're invading, so you potentially kill them and steal moats from them by killing. We had games where they just hid. Well, when they hid, they're doing nothing. They're not moving in the game. So they're losing moats from drain. They're not gaining moats in the race. We are screaming our way to 50. By the time our guy comes back, it's a 30-second invade. We've banked 50, and you can invade again. So maybe removing the 50 invade might help in prime because there's three total invades. Maybe removing the 50 invade. I don't know. All I know is, is that getting to 50 before they get to 25 is just absolutely demoralizing. There's almost no coming back from that. As I said, moat drain and even some of these perks they've given the invader and the fact that a collector can send a 20 blocker, that's just more potential snow on the snowball that's the main issue is that your first invade can be absolutely dismantling to the other team's you know even potential chance 
of uh, of winning. And that's not even we haven't even talked about how the boss fight isn't even a race to damage the boss. It's a race to kill envoys. And as long as the team isn't damaging the boss but killing their envoys, they're ahead in the race, and your invade won't slow them down. You kill the envoys, get your stack, and just sit there and wait. He can invade and kill all of you. doesn't matter. It doesn't slow down your progression. Once you know you're going to melt, you don't kill the third envoy. They invade. You either kill him or wait it out, and then you kill final envoy, melt, and there's no chance of invade because you just got rid of the invader or he just left. Agree on your points. Secondarily, the boss phase is basically an invade fight, and it's a bug. Uh, it's a tug of war that can go on too long. Also, I hope you're having a great morning. Hi to chat. I'm having a great morning. We need to discuss this then. Have me come back. Have me come back on fire team chat because we need to discuss this. What I just outlined, it's actually not a tug of war. An invasion's just a nuisance. Seriously, if you summon first and you blitz the envoys, don't do anything. Don't damage the boss. The invader can come over. He can literally wipe your team. It doesn't matter. That envoy pool that you secured is on a countdown. You can't do anything. You're waiting. Okay, then you go and you bum rush the next envoys. Kill them. Here comes the invaders. Doesn't matter. We just secured stack two and you can't take it away from us. We're just waiting. By the time you get to stack three or four, what you do is you don't kill the final envoy and you wait for the invader. He comes, he kills you, you kill him, whatever. Now everybody gets ready. Kill the envoy, melt, and they can't prevent you from killing him because invading is basically at that point, if you manage invading in that way, invading is more of a nuisance than an influence. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't do anything. That's how we play. We've played against teams. The invader got 18 kills. He killed us 18 times and we crushed them because we summoned first. We had that good first invade. Screamed ahead to 50, invaded again, screamed ahead to 75, invaded again, summoned first. We bum rushed the envoys. And the invader, their invader got 18 kills and it didn't matter. He, there were times where I let him kill me and people were like, why are you letting him kill you? I'm like, oh, it gets him out of here faster. He can literally get four kills. You're on a 15 second respawn timer. And that's faster than letting him hang out for 30 seconds. Letting him kill you, then everybody respawns. If you do it properly, then the next envoys are spawning and he can't stop you from killing the envoys because he was just there. Like, I get round one, round two, don't even DPS. Stack three or four, you can melt after invade. Exactly what you're saying. The invade being a nuisance is a good way to put it. Three and four, I've had to go back to fourth. It's so annoying. Also need to get you back on. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and you, you guys talk Anthem too. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be in a, a conversation about Anthem. Whatever you all want to do, I'm down. I would love to come back and discuss because I've got a lot of thoughts on Anthem as well because <laughs> that game's got its own issues um but yeah a lot of people are just waiting for fourth now because it's just more of a guaranteed bake because you don't there's no risk there's there's very little risk if you wait till that fourth stack so uh let's see here angelus so let's put the opinion of gambit prime uh sucking aside from now without massively overhauling the mode what tweaks can be made to make the game mode better one tweak idea that we had today that i think might be worthy of consideration is if you get to 25 first and invade, and then you knock that team down a peg, right? You knock them down a peg you significantly, like, bam. Well, you shouldn't be able to do your 50 invade until they hit 25. Now's their chance to maybe kind of bounce back. They hit 25, they can invade. Now you can invade because they just hit 25. You can use your 50. 
you can keep banking, right? You can keep banking, but now your 50 portal opens. You're both invading at the same time. This is an opportunity for that team to come back. It's not a, it's not a slingshot or a boomerang mechanic. It's an opportunity for them to maybe come back because they could come over, maybe get some kills on you, and now they've at the very least gotten to 25, so when you invade at that point, there's less danger involved. It's like, well, maybe we should wait to use our 50 because they just banked to 25. Uh, let's Let's wait. Now, there could be loopholes and playing from behind strategies that could emerge from that. That was just an idea that was thrown out today to at the very least let let the other team get to 25 before you bank your 50 to give some opportunity, not for necessarily a comeback, but maybe an opportunity for a little bit of a hero moment on a good invade or, again, at least get to their 25. Because the main issue is if they're summoning at least in close proximity to you they're still a threat the, the the main issue is is that when you steamroll to 50 and they don't even get to 25 and you bank 50 and you just keep them below 25 they're not even close to summoning their primeval in proximity to you they're not even a threat you're just playing with your food at that point you're just you're just you're just waiting you're just waiting to summon um you're just waiting to basically uh, not summon I'm sorry you're just waiting to bake because I don't want, I do not want comeback mechanics. I just want there to be opportunity for the team behind to be a threat. They, they're a threat, man. Let's go. Keep going. Keep going. We got to summon first. They, okay. We got stack two. They just summoned. They're on stack one. They're right behind us. They might, they might melt at stack two or three. They're a threat. See what I'm saying? It's not a boomerang. It's not a catch-up mechanic. You're enabling that team to, if they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they are a potential threat. Right now, one of the main flaws that they have created in regular Gambit, they made the blockers a lot stronger, so playing from behind is significantly stronger in regular Gambit than it used to be. Why? Because they can just flood the plate uh, I don't have, I thought I had Skull Nova. I'm so dumb. They can just flood the plate with really, really strong blockers, and in traditional Gambit, you're a lot closer to the primeval plate when you're navigating the area, so you're basically, you're, it's actually very, very frustrating to play against a team now who's behind in regular Gambit. In Gambit Prime, the the, the primeval and those enemies are, far, are further away because of the map design, so they're less of an issue. So, playing from behind is not something I want to encourage, but I do want to give teams the opportunity to be a threat like you can't just kind of this is what we do when we pull ahead we kill the envoys i'm just like cool let's just wait let's just wait let's just chill let's chill okay that's stack three let's just chill let's chill oh they just now summon their primeval yeah no worries we're about to hit stack four you know they're they're (laughs) they're not even remotely on the battlefield they're they're you know they're back in the locker room uh pain maker lona love your content uh, would it be good if stuff from the gunsmith like arms day or more bounties are implemented? I think every NPC needs a refresher. I think every season, each NPC needs some type of a refresher. Even if they get like one or two guns for that season that rotate, and then you grab that bounty <clears throat> and you grind for it the way you did Ada. Like, just imagine if the gunsmith had a bounty this season for the half dan auto rifle and the... Linear fusions need some love, but the Crooked Fang, the Crooked Fang, it just rotates each week. If every NPC had that, well, I mean, that's 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 not a ton of loot, okay? That's not a ton of loot, but, but 
that gives you tons of things to consider that week. Maybe you really, really like the half Dan. And maybe you also really, really like the old-fashioned hand cannon. Well, if the half Dan is available that week from the gunsmith, and you can keep getting the bounty over and over and over again, the way you could with Ada, and Devrim K has a bounty for the old-fashioned, well, now, you're, now your incentives are being kind of pitted against each other, and you kind of have to choose. Well, you know what's awesome about that? You have the whole season. You have the whole season to kind of figure that out. You know, what do you feel like grinding for? What do you feel like going for? Well, make your decision. If I mean, think about how many NPCs there are. We've outlined this idea many times. There's eight planetary NPCs. There's like five tower NPCs. There's a ton. And if you had those rotating bounties each week <clears throat> for guns, what would end up happening, I think, is players would players would more naturally just sort of pivot between activities and feel like they're pursuing loot instead of what we're doing now is we pivot from activities to pursue power and then RNG as you just saw fully displayed here I just got a 681 my 689 powerful laughs at that that is worthless to me now RNG not giving you what you want when you're pursuing a weapon is a completely different experience. If I'm chasing a god roll on the half dan and I don't get what I want, the beauty of that system is you go back to the gunsmith, you grab the bounty, and you do it again. You just you see you, you just keep you just keep kind of rolling through. Um, we have eight minutes to do a daily. I do you think we get a crucible? We can, we can probably get a crucible game done in eight minutes. One one daily. Well, no. The, 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 I don't think we're going to do two strikes in eight minutes. We're out of time. We could do a nightfall. Um, we could do a nightfall. Let's do tree of probabilities and we'll keep, we'll do void, uh, we'll do void heavyweight without any, without any nurse. We should be able to blitz this in less than eight minutes. Um, cause the dailies, the dailies aren't going to reset, but I'm going to lose my weekly nightfall. So we might be able to blitz tree of probabilities. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just to, just to keep that, just to keep the question, the, the question and answer going, that's how I would handle it. I think every NPC, one or two weapons a season, you got those bounties, that's that player agency. Listen, I, I love my console brethren, so I would even change Ada's bounties and any future bounties like Ada's bounties, and you can basically just keep resetting the bounty in your inventory. Like, it should be called a weekly adept bounty. I grab that weekly adept bounty and it just hangs out in my pursuits the whole week. I can dismantle it, but it hangs out in my thing the whole week. And every time the bounty is satisfied, it reset, it feeds me the weapon and it resets itself to save our poor console brethren from going to the tower every time they need a new bounty because of the load screens. That's another thing I would love to see them attempt to implement. That I think would help, uh, would help significantly with people, you know, with with the load screens on console. Because if you're not on, if you're not on PC, it's, I mean, it's it can be pretty rough. Uh, what about the forty dollar patch? When is that forty dollar patch going to be free? I don't know what you're talking about. Train. I don't have some forsaken exotics, and I keep, um, and I keep getting doubles of stuff that I already have. Are they looking into that? I know they've mentioned it. Thanks, Lona, for the great content. Uh, exotic dew protection, as far as I can tell, is not working. Uh, it's just not working. I don't know what the issue is. Uh, I get weapons all the time. Uh, I get weapons all of the time. 
Uh, we literally just wiped on the opener. So much for getting this unnamed. Oh my gosh. I don't have us on a light level di- uh, differential either. I don't have us on a power handicap. I don't know why we're dying so fast. Maybe because are they shooting a lot of void? Um, this is rough. I'll get my shotgun out. Um, yeah, do protection's not working. I get I get uh, exotic weapons all the time that I've already had. T1 Scorch uh, says, do you think Gambit Prime is playable as a solo? I mean, it's playable as a solo. We lost some games today to teams that were that were solo. Uh, we lost some games today to teams that were solo queuing, and it all came down to that first invasion. Like Milo invaded a couple of times, and we just uh, either people had memorized the spawn points or something fishy was going on. I mean, he literally would invade, and before Drifter finished saying the sentence, it was like Guardian down. He was he was getting spawn he was getting spawn farmed basically is what was happening, um, and I don't know what the cause was. I don't know if. I don't know if it was they had learned the spawns. I don't know if the guy was really lucky. He was getting some crazy shots on his own invades that could have been. I mean, I know there's some aimbots out there, but the point was, the point was we were literally losing off that first invade to solo players. So I do think solo players can win. You, it, It's hard. It's just hard to have synergy. I mean, really? That team wasn't even that good. Their boss bake was terrible. Like... They were. They just got lucky on invades. They prevented our invade, and it gave them a huge advantage. Uh, is Krizik? What if you had to do something extra to get wall hacks? Spend five moats. They don't go towards your overall moat count. Um, I, yeah, I think what what you're doing is is you're getting into the micro issues of it. You're like, okay, let's get down into the really really small details here. And I just don't know if you can do any small tweaks to invasion to change what my primary issue is. My primary issue with invasion is that it is it is so influential. And I'm not when I say influential, I don't mean it's influential like it's easy to get kills. That's kind of a given. What I mean is even if you don't get kills, it's influential. So imagine that you don't get wall hacks. Well, the other team, all they know is is that you invaded and you're threatening them and could potentially kill them. So they hide, they slow down, etc. You're still racing to 50 while they're slowed down. There's still the moat drain from the two blockers and there's the potential threat of death if you're if you if the invader gets anyone. We have beaten teams that just hide. Now you might say, "Oh, well they're dumb, they're hiding, they should try and fight back." Again, I mean, maybe if they take away wall hacks, people would be more emboldened to like look for the invader, call out the invader, try to kill the invader. So maybe just maybe wall hacks, maybe it is one of the main issues. But again, you're still having a game that turns on a very simplistic hinge. A good invade can turn the tide of can literally set the tone of the entire game. One bad invade can turn the tide of the game because now the other team didn't lose any moats. They're able to bank 25 and invade, and now you're on your heels and potentially dealing with a double invade. So it's I I don't know. It it literally it literally could be as simple as just minimizing wall hacks because you're dealing with people that can't that can't really mitigate the pain point. They're basically having to immediately hide, and even if they get a kill, they're still losing from the moat drain. So it's like wall hacks would maybe slow down their slow down their their rebuttal. Um, 
you know, your fixes make invading not fun. Yeah, but invading right now is, it's kind of like picking on little kids in dodgeball. I mean, come on, man. It's like, you're going over, you can see where they are, and with a machine gun, I mean, just make very, very light work of them. Unless they're like a really, really good sniper, it's very difficult for them to enter a lane that you know they're going to enter. Yeah, we're not beating this before reset. This is going to count as a weekly. It's fine. Um... Concentric Arc says, aside from the lack of PvP uh, vision, do you think the reason Trials was removed was because of the lore implications this season? No, I think Trials was removed because there are, I think, number one, at a fundamental level, there are too many maps that wouldn't work for what people want. Uh, people basically want 3v3 elimination, and I think a lot of the maps are built for 4v4 lane control, and that would make it really, really rough. The other reason I think they're not bringing back Trials is because I don't think they're happy with where the PvP meta is. I think they're experimenting and trying different things out. And I think Trials traditionally got very low engagement, and they're not going to prioritize a low engagement activity that is potentially just going to be just another, another source of complaint about the meta. So, I, I want people... I want people to, to, to have trials. I do. But I don't want trials to come back and basically come back and get beat up as soon as it comes back in. Yo, I'm back! You guys happy to have me back? Here I am. I'm trials. You love me in House of Wolves. And here I am. Gets punched and kicked out the door. Because people are like, yeah, the meta still sucks. Most of these maps sucks. Trials is bad. And bleh, I don't want to play it. And it's just an abuse fest. And this and that. I just... I don't know. I think there's a lot of things about Trials that would make the current meta uh, more frustrating uh, than it than it presently is. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I don't necessarily even know if they're in a position to get the meta into a place that would work uh, for three v three Trials. I think the best answer, honestly, for Trials is I think the best answer is to go 3v3 elim remove a bunch of the problematic maps and remove a bunch of the problematic maps and just see how it goes but even that I don't know if it would work all that well lane camping with Jotun I mean or Izanagi like there's just a lot of weapons in the mix that you know pose a significant threat this guy so close Angelus so close You, it's we're one minute after what a bummer that rough opener might have sealed our fate. He just freaking soloed that. I couldn't get past the ads. If you get behind in that in that race, it's so hard to get past the ads by yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. LN Samurai says, What do you think about mod components? Not sure if we've talked about this. Uh, mod components are non-existent right now. So again, that's just another opportunity to refresh a uh, NPC. They could refresh the... Um, they can refresh the gunsmith and make it say, oh yeah, here's a source of uh, mod components for you. And uh, and there's my nightfall reward. A gun uh, that doesn't help me. Grave robber on a pulse rifle too. Just woo, swinging for the fences here. Such a rewarding experience. Uh, we probably wouldn't have made it on a perfect run. And I got a DFA. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, yeah, they need to basically make him a source of my components. They do. Uh, they need to make him a source of my components because there's just, there's no real way, uh, 
to 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 get it going. So, um, you're just there, there's just an enormous drought uh, for my components. One way to get my components is just to farm year one planets. Because when you dismantle year one gear, you uh, dismantling year one gear. Oh, it didn't take it. It didn't take it. We actually got it in at the buzzer. I still have my weekly nightfall. It might drop it and not be powerful though. We'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll just pivot right back to stri- oh, strikes are now arc. Strikes are now arc. Uh, so I know everyone's gonna say just use Wardcliff, but I'm happy just to use Cold Heart. Um, it doesn't reset until you're in orbit. Oh. Interesting. We'll have to see. We'll have to see when we run the nightfall if if, if it counted what we get. Um, next question: Waves RM. Would you think the community react better to D1 exotic weapon quest being brought back as a different weapon type? Oh, no, I don't think so, man. I don't know. I don't know how people would respond to them. Ah, that's rough. I don't think people would like that. I don't think they would like you bringing back their their favorite weapons as a different version. Chaotic Joystick. Do you think the rework of Trials would be worth trying to get Bungie to reinstitute the original Trials of Osiris format next season? We already talked about this. I think 3v3 Elim is the way to go. They would have to take a lot of maps out of rotation, and they gotta make some changes to the meta more than likely. Train2929. What about Nightfall 100k? Uh, where you get two powerful drops giving the same gear. Last week I got two helmets on the sa- uh, uh, on both characters. Um, there has to be something in place for that to not happen. Here's the thing. I think they can... Compl- Here's all Bungie needs to do. I don't think this is a hard fix. I don't. I'm not a developer, but this is all they need to do. Leave milestones alone. They're big jumps, and they can screw you. Just raise the soft cap so that blues and purples that drop are like plus twos that's all you have to do because then you're, if your milestones don't really help you what what Lars and what Dylan said is still true the fastest way to level up is to just go, go run every milestone if you're like I don't want to do that no problem you can keep running strikes you can keep this gun that just dropped for me would be a plus two it'd be a plus two Anything that drops is a plus two of whatever your current level is. And the reason that you would do that is, is you're empowering the player to fill gaps and just level by playing. That's all you have to do. Milestones don't need touched. Just leave them as is. Like if you want an easy solution, that's the easy solution. That's all you have to do is say, all right, I tell you what, we'll leave milestones, you know, and when we do this, as long as you're getting gear, you're leveling up ever so slowly. If you get tired of that, you could say, you know what? I'm pretty, I'm pretty leveled off right now. The plus twos are really, really slow. I'm going to go do a milestone and get a big one. Think about it. Like, let's say you get to two, let's say you get to 665. You get to 665 and most everything that's dropping is right. So if most of your gear, let's say all of your armor and your guns is hovering around 665. That means every drop isn't really doing much for you. It's giving you like a plus two. So that way you know, you know what? I can go and do a milestone and anything I get, even if RNG is not really friendly to me and it doesn't pick my lowest item. Well, that was interesting. If it doesn't pick my lowest item, it will pick, 
it'll bump me to sit like I'll get a 670 so if all my gear and guns are basically 665 you're like you know what I'm not gonna run these strikes and stuff I'll go do crucible I don't really like crucible but at least I know no matter what I get it's gonna be a 670 that 670 raises you so then the rest of your little jumps are a little bit better that's basically what D1, D2 year one leveling was like. You would do a big jump, and then you would do all your little jumps. And then once you kind of evened out, you would go do a big jump again. And then you would go do all your little jumps. I just think that would create this feeling of, I can make progress even if I'm out of milestones, or even if I don't feel like playing Gambit in Crucible. Because, like, Dylan and Lars saying we have a diverse player base... The, the, the conclusion should not be diverse player base means we offer diverse activities and also force players into those diverse activities to level that doesn't that's not logical I've said it before that's a non sequitur it does not follow that's not a logical conclusion if you have a variety of players and a variety of inclinations and preferences what you do is is you increase the value of the pieces of the game that they like to go into so that that way they're all enjoying themselves and don't feel forced to go into content they have no interest in and if they do want to go into content they have no interest in there's a very tangible and measurable reward because it's it's a gar- it's basically a guaranteed bump because they wait to use it. Effective leveling would basically be a means of patience. Really effective leveling, like think about it. Remember when we were doing nightfalls on the tangled shore to get those little blue drops? We were doing that before we did bigs. Why were we doing that? We were rounding out our build. We were rounding out our build before doing a big drop. So basically strategy came into play. It was like, if I do this and I, all I need is a a pair of boots. If a pair of boots drops from this nightfall lost sector that we were farming, that'll roll me over to the next power level, which means my milestones will drop bigger. It's the same idea. Good strategy would, would basically reward people with more efficiency. And that would be the key to good leveling. So then you feel a sense of reward in line with not just your RNG, but with your intelligence. Like I did these things in the right order. Cause right now people tell me like, well, if you do the, if you do the, the milestones in the right order, you'll level up faster. That's not true. Like at all. There is no special order. RNG can still give you the wrong drops on your bigs and your littles and completely slow you down. You can watch people like WTF Game Nation. One of them hits 700. One of them hits 680. Why? RNG. So I think in agency over leveling is so much easier than everybody's making it. They don't have to tweak the milestone system. They don't have to let us pick between armor and guns on the milestone system. All they have to do is bring back the plus twos off of off of like basically mundane drops and you fix the entire problem. The soft cap instead of listen, the soft cap already moves. So don't tell me they can't push this out in one hotfix. I I, I I completely reject that sentiment. They could push this out in one hotfix. The soft cap moves with you, it's just behind you. So instead of the soft cap moving behind you, the soft cap would always be two in front of you. Always. To help fill gaps. They could do it like that. Don't tell me they couldn't. The soft cap's already coded to a certain percentage behind you. Just code it to be a certain percentage ahead of me. And problem solved. Clip it and ship it, button and zip it. It's done. You just solve the problem of leveling like that. Just, that's it. Now, 
This is the pushback. But people would level by going to the vendors and using their tokens. Who in the blue frick cares? Why does... Who cares? Why does that matter? If I've got a bunch of currency saved and that's how I want to level, then so be it. So be it. (laughs) Why does it doesn't matter? That's not a good enough reason. And maybe this is maybe why they can't do it. Maybe they can't easily uh, cap. Maybe they easily can't cap the uh, engrams from NPCs, right? If if it if it if it well if it dropped at level maybe what what maybe what Harry's saying would be fine too if it dropped at level I think NPCs dropping you gear at level would be totally fine because then you're not getting a bump from the NPC you're literally only getting you're only getting something at your present level again you're gap filling think about my warlock my warlock is a 687 and he has gauntlets that are 677 or he's like a 689 he has gauntlets that are 677 they are they're way way behind. They're not doing anything for me. I just got a 680 jump on my chest piece. That was a huge jump. These uh these non plus ones are actually like super beneficial right now. We'll just stay in here and get the weekly on it too. Favorite exotic from this new season? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got to use that new wire rifle one or whatever it's called. That one looks kind of cool, uh, but I haven't got to use it. Theophilus. Hey, Lono. I don't know how easy it would be to implement, but do you think bringing solo queue playlists for Gambit, Prime, uh, and Comp Crucible would bring more enjoyment for those modes? No. We've been through this before. Here's my very quick answer. I'm not dismissing you, but this is my very quick answer because I don't want to spend too long. I'm getting too preachy on some of these questions. Um... Solo queue breaks matchmaking because you need solo queue players. There's not always four stacks to stack against four stacks or nice crispy twos and twos to pair together. Anybody who's running a team of threes or twos would basically have way less people to fill gaps. And then anybody running partied up two, three or four players would be in matchmaking for a significantly longer amount of time. You do not, you do not want to do a solo queue playlist. Now, what they can do in the matchmaking to try to help you, okay? They can try to assist you by giving you a preference to uh, finding people that aren't teamed up. Outside of that, you're going to destroy matchmaking efficiency if you if you uh, if you do a solo queue playlist. J.K. Rowe. Uh, with so many people asking for Bungie to bring back Elimination and Old Trials, why don't you think uh, they haven't mentioned this, uh, its return? They're either wait- waiting for a big, enormous comeback for Trials, or again, as I said, the maps and the meta just aren't suited for what people want. Jchrist, would there would be changing the impact of invading if it wasn't tied to uh, depositing moats and was a periodic event that both teams could partake in? I'm, yeah, maybe J. Chris is onto it. Maybe instead of it being a race to 25, it would be more about like, but again, with Moat Drain, I just, I don't know. I feel like right now, Moat Drain is such a weird element in the game. You're basically like, you're, you're basically not wanting to bank. As soon as you bank, you're the one risking. So basically, people would just sit on their moats, sit on their moats, and I guess that's the risk, right? It's like musical chairs. You don't know when the gate's going to open. Suddenly, some guy comes in. The only reason I don't like that is that's if that's random, a team's going to win because of RNG. 
It's like, well, yeah, they won because as soon as we all got the moats we needed, Invasion Portal opened like perfectly timed for them. When we were near the portal and banking and could have invaded on them, the portal didn't open. That's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Like that would create luck. You you don't want it, you want certain things to be player initiated. I don't think you want invasion to just be happening like happening like at random. Because that's like that's like power ammo dropping, right? Especially with taken armaments. I mean, people are getting basically like free, you know, free uh, power ammo, and it's the most influential, you know, currency in Gambit. <laughs> it's like, and if you don't have those mods from those raids, you know, you're done. And those mods don't come from Gambit. Those mods come from uh, they come from the raid. And so I, I don't know. If the invade is at four minutes, you can play around it. Oh, you're saying a set time? Does this say a set time? Uh, if it wasn't tied to depositing. Okay, well, let's tease that idea out. I was teasing out the idea of it being random. You're saying, oh, if it's at a set time, that would be better. Oh, I still think you're dealing with a race, Al. I still think you're dealing with a race, though. Basically, it would be who can bank the most moats before the timer and then navigating moat drain, which would mean you'd have to have somebody managing the plate. I like it. I don't know. That might be this. That might help because think about it. It would be about navigating HVTs, when to send blockers, what's what blockers you want to send and then having someone protecting the plate. That's all strategy-based. So mode efficiency and banking efficiency would come from a team that's working together with good synergy instead of blitzing enemies, banking at 25, invading, and turning the tide of the entire game. The race would be less synced to the envoys. We haven't really talked about the boss fight. We're not really talking about that. We're talking more about the, the initial invade. If the initial invade isn't linked to 25 and it's on a timer, then basically you would say, bro, you've got 10 seconds before they invade. Get your freaking butt moving or we're going to have a problem. And then they invade. Then a successful invasion is dependent upon the other team sort of mismanaging their modes and you capitalizing on that. That's less influential, but probably deservedly demoralizing if you're not paying attention to the invade timer and you're holding on to your moats because you're like i just want to get 15 okay you're you're really hoping that your team can protect you and it's probably worth it to just bank 13 and not hold on to those and then you pay the price and that's probably a deserved of deserved changing of the guard and, and, and a turning point in the game because you you risked you risked a lot of moats knowingly risked a lot of moats and you could have banked that entire time I don't know I'm gonna keep thinking about that and bringing that up in our discussions because there's a part of me that really likes that idea I think that would potentially make it more about strategy and make it more about proper banking um and if it's proper banking then it comes down to it comes down to navigating when to bank what modes to send and and managing your own plate see that's when the that's when the roles would come into play uh bender with 12 months that's a red badge dude thank you so much for an entire freaking year um star star walrus i think i missed your four month sub i am sorry and somebody gifted a sub to destin thank you for doing that uh, it was uh, Matt gifted us up to Destin. Thank you. 
I might have missed Wolverine sub 2. I can't remember if I said it or not. It would make Sentry way better. Yeah. Yeah. That would make Sentry a more important role. That would make banking strategy more important. Like, dude, 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 no, don't pick up the moats. We're trying to send the 20, man. We got a collector. Stop taking moats from him. The collector would have a more important role. Sentry would have a more important role. Banking, managing your bank, and sending blockers would become like a chess match. And then invasion would be, dude, get the frick over there. Capitalize. They've got somebody with moats. And then, and then it makes sense why the invader is so strong because he's got a small window of opportunity to potentially kill somebody who wasn't watching the timer or playing smart. And then he capitalizes on their stupidity, on their, their mistake, sorry, on their mistake. And he needs all that strength because he's capitalizing on a very small window of opportunity. I don't know. We're going to keep talking about that and we're going to keep chunking that idea out there because that might actually be what is a far more simplistic solution to taking the influence of First Invade and, and having it be less influential but still a part of the game's identity. You still invade and try and get kills to steal moats, but it's not such a pendulum swing. It all comes down to interval timing in that scenario. How frequently is too much or too little? Right, but isn't that easier to, isn't that easier to tweak Old Soul? Isn't a timer a little bit easier to tweak and adjust as opposed to what we have now, which is a god to your player, not a god to your player, god to your perks coming over, powerful ammo, wall hacks, and a and a and a, and a powerful weapon setting the stage for you know the the game turning on that hinge. This idea has me actually liking the idea of invading. I- yeah, let's play around with that. I think we could pipe, we could probably put together an entire video and even a Reddit post to really get that on Bungie's radar and see what the community thinks. Community could tease that out and see what possible pitfalls could come from it. But that seems like a far better situation than what we have now. Uh, FET44. So now that we have seen the pendulum swing uh, in complete polar opposites as far as how to handle seasons year one and now uh, year two, what do you think Bungie could learn from completely uh, and lean completely into and then completely away from? Uh, I think player agency and respecting the time of the player needs to be an enormous, enormous theme going forward. Uh, I think that that is an enormous... Uh, problem with this content. I think that's why people that weren't even looking forward to Division 2 are playing Division 2 because it respects their time. And because their time is being respected, you're getting their engagement. As I said before, if you don't respect the player's time, don't expect the player's time. It's It's just that simple. And I think that's the theme I would do going forward. Going forward, I think one of the main themes is respecting the player's time. Now, one of the reasons... Uh, agency is so important is because agency creates natural accessibility man Lono it just sounds like you're using a lot of big words what the frick do you mean if you give player agency like Ada's bounties okay Ada's bounties created natural accessibility if you're not a hardcore player no worries grab the bounty get the gun the gun is guaranteed if you're a hardcore player you can go for the god roll that agency 
created natural accessibility. Agency over your leveling would do the exact same dadgum thing. Agency over your leveling creates accessibility. You don't need to raid. You don't need to go and do all these milestones and pieces of the game that you're not interested in. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is play the game. And that's what a lot of people just want. They just want to be able to boot up and play the game and get and get advancement. So agency creates natural accessibility and it answers so many of the content's problems. Uh, Chris Dean the God. Uh, not about the annual pass, but do you think that implementing relics into Gambit uh, Prime, like you've said before, would make invading ideal? I think that'd be the only other thing to try out. Again, relics doesn't change. Relics does not change the over-influence of invasion. Invasion just makes everything come to a screeching halt right now, right? It just makes everything come to a screeching halt. You stop moving, you have to assess where he might be, you have to try and find him, you're losing moats, you're you're potentially losing moats if someone dies, the other team is getting moats while you're sort of stalled out and stopped. There's, there are, I didn't check to make sure these guys were on void. Please tell me somebody was on void. Oh, no. <sighs> Thank you, Bjork. My gosh. Why are you running solar, bro? Um, so I don't necessarily know if the relic, okay, the relic changes the nature of invasion, but not the impact of invasion. It changes the nature of invasion. It might not be as easy, but again, yet I'm on art. It's arc burn. It's not void burn anymore. I thought it was void burn. I thought I was on void. That was a little while ago. We literally are all on different subclasses. We are literally on all the different subclasses. Son of a gun. We just didn't get anything on the milestone. Just a why is that the way the milestone is set up? Oh, that hurts. That's heartburn. That's like instant heartburn. Frick. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I'm not necessarily just trying to change the nature of invasion. I'm trying to minimize the impact of invasion. Um, so yeah. Chaotic joystick. How much of my soul do I need to sell to Bungie to get enhancement cores removed? I don't know. Paul Tassie wrote an article. I've made numerous videos. The community doesn't like it. It's on Reddit. Cosmo accepted our feedback in freaking January about this. And there they sit in infusion. There they sit. I don't know. I truly don't know what they're waiting for. It doesn't have a net value add for the player. There's no reason to keep it because there's no value add. The players that want it aren't affected by it. Get it out of there. FWC Guardian. Do you think the old season pass model was better than the annual pass? Personally, I think being $10 cheaper isn't enough to remove gear refresh, planets, new strikes, new crucible maps, new campaigns. Um, well, campaign's one and done, so I don't know how much of a value point that is. The new location's pretty good. I'll agree with that. How much of a gear refresh did we actually get, though, in, in Warmind and Curse? Did we even get a gear refresh? I don't think... We, did we? I thought it was all the same stuff because there was no random rolls. It was just you were just continuing to get the same stuff. Milo's saying yes, we did. So and every NPC got a gear refresh, like new gear in the NPCs. We got new ornaments. I don't understand. What did Devrim K get in Warmind? What did he get in Warmind? 
all the tower NPCs did. No new armor, but we got new weapons. Crucible and Vanguard. Yeah, the Crucible and Vanguard got NPC updates. Yeah, I mean, they kind of did in this content. They have pinnacle weapons. They have... They had, they had each had like a new weapon, didn't they? Because, they, yeah, Zavala got a tiny refresh. Zavala got a tiny refresh right now. You can get that one gun that he's got, and then Zavala's got a gun, and they got pinnacle guns. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look and see how many new things did you get from Zavala, and how many new things did you get from um, Shax. I don't know how big... I don't know how big that... Uh, how big that value point is you might be overselling it just a teeny teeny bit um so it's arc blackout and heavyweight this week so uh arc and heavyweight in in reckoning would be what using um wardcliff right so wardcliff on the boss on the knights man that 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 uh you're gonna need a well for that uh with blackout yeah, that's gonna be rough with blackout, because your your void your void you're not getting the void burn from skull. That first week with void burn made skull of the dire Ahamkara just so strong on the bridge. Um, that's gonna be rough. Thunderlord, yeah, you could probably get away with Thunderlord over the Wardcliff just so you could have more more pain management on the uh, on the the on the, the bridge. I wonder if you could go with that, that the, the bottom tree, the bottom three on the Titan, and maybe make his super last about as long as you can on the bridge, if that would be enough. Have one Titan doing that. I just don't think he's going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the yellow bars. Um, that's going to be... that. I don't know. Without... They've just... They've built it around... I just feel like they built it around exotics and supers. So to answer this question... I don't know if the old annual pass is better, given that you got story that we never do anything with, you got planets that I don't think add much to the experience, and you... And ultimately, you got what, like two strikes, typically per thing? I, you know, I don't know. I feel like we've got, we got more grind this time. This, it's just season of the drifters grind. Isn't very good. Ada's grind. I thought was pretty good. We didn't get nearly as much grind. Now, if you, if you rewind the clock and you make the forge grind in war mine, I'm sorry, you make the forge grinding curse. If you give that random rolls, that grind becomes significantly better, significantly better. Um, because then all of a sudden you can just keep going and it has significantly more value significantly more value uh it, so i don't know I, I can't give you a strong answer either way i think it's a, it's almost a tie ventus silver are you just riffing into the bad stuff for this game or are you questioning why people are asking you to continue to play this game or are you just questioning why people I don't. This question doesn't make any sense. Are you just riffing into the bad stuff for this game, or are you questioning why people are asking you? I mean, listen. Something that I do with my content and have done for a very long time is I play it and I give my feedback and I try to make suggestions on how to improve it. I can't make suggestions on how to improve this content if I just avoid all of the things that can make it frustrating. So I try to level. I play Reckoning. I play Gambit Prime. I go after the the pinnacle weapons. I don't go after the pinnacle PvP weapons because there's no real point in me doing that and commenting on that again. So, 
I, I, asking why I continue to play, I, again, I don't, I don't think you understand what I do with my content. If you don't like what I'm doing with my content, then it's real easy to leave my stream. You can use your forefinger to do so. You used all of your fingers to type that sentence. So you can use your forefinger and you can just get the frick out if you don't like my content because this is what I do with it. I did this all the way up to Forsaken. We played, we talked, we, we came up with ideas on how to improve the content and how to make things better. And uh, and we did we did see a lot of our ideas and a lot of the things that we came up with in this stream made it into Forsaken. I'm not saying we get credit for that, but I'm saying we were a part of the community thrust and conversation that said, get rid of double primary, give us random roles. I mean, we were a part of that conversation. So this is just what I do. I mean, giving feedback on the on the annual pass as I did today was was primarily focused on making the future annual pass better because I think this is a good structure logistically. I just think they mishandled certain parts of it. I think they, they mishandled certain parts of it. As I said, I feel like the Ada, the season of the forge created much better containers season of the drifter created much better loot. If you have better containers and the better loot, like the containers in the agency in Forge was great. Uh, the containers in the and the agency in, in Drifter is terrible, but the loot's better. See what I'm saying? Like combine the two and I think you got a winning combination and then throw in some NPC refresh and I think you got a winning a winning structure for annual pass content. Uh, Emstrom. Will Bungie fix the problems with leveling before the majority of the players uh, either quit in frustrations or reach level 700? I mean, obviously, we'll have to watch the player base numbers. Because I think once the Allegiance quest and the Pinnacle weapon grind dies off, we're going to have to really watch the player base numbers. I don't think the player base numbers look that impressive, given how new the content is. Now, I know Division is probably hurting a little bit. I, I think Division does siphon off a decent amount of the Destiny community just because people that play this game want to chase loot and Division has that. Like, PvE has already settled 650k yesterday. 650k, 570 PvP. So basically, the annual pass is doing its job, but I don't think it's doing a good job. Right? We're right back to the player base numbers we had before Season of the Drifter came. So people came back and it doesn't seem that the number's gone up. We haven't like, oh, look at the spike. Everyone's coming back. Sweet. That increase, that return didn't isn't being maintained. Now, now. Um that I think I think what that could mean though is that it's doing its job. It's maintaining the player base. I think we can say that. I think the numbers are healthy. I don't think they're terrible. But I think what Bungie should communicate from the numbers is people came back and the numbers not increasing from those people coming back. Think about it like this. The number goes up because people come back. Goes up. And then it goes right back down to where it was. Why? Why? I think it's pretty easy to conclude that a lot of the people that came back are like, eh, there's nothing really for me here. You know? There's also Division. I think Division does. I think Division 2 hurts as well. I mean, think about it. They said, we got Power Surge bounties. Come back and jump to 640. I think a lot of people came back for that. And I think as soon as they got to 640 and started leveling again, I think there's a ton of people that were like, okay, I got I got bad drops my entire first couple days playing. I'm done. 
I mean, if you go to my leveling is bad video, if you go to my enhancement hurts the player video, that's all the comments are. That's all the comments are. It's just people saying, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I don't think these people are trolls. I recognize a lot of their names. I recognize a lot of their names. I'm like, these are people that have honestly and genuinely put the game down. They're like, I can't do it anymore. I can't take it. I'm taking a break. I'm putting it down. When the trend, when my most watched videos are videos about the po- the pain of leveling, the pain of infusion, and the most common comments in my chat and on my YouTube videos are, I've stopped playing. I think that's a uh, that, that's a that's a sampling. That is a sampling that speaks to the general public of Destiny. People are like, why do you keep complaining about this? Why do you keep beating on this drum? Because it's the foundational problem. It's entry point. We're not talking about perks. We're not talking about perk depth. We're not talking about drop rates. We're not talking about the the futility of tier 1 and tier 2 armor in Prime. We're talking about the entry point to the content. I'm seeing people in this community who played every time content came out, committed, always in Destiny, love Destiny. I'm seeing those people say, I just, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. And you know why that's a problem? They're the target of the annual pass. People that are supposed to be the target audience of the annual pass, they're the ones saying they're done. They're the ones throwing their hands up and saying, I can't take this. And they're not saying the content's boring, the loot's lame. Do you know what they're saying? I can't progress. I can't do the basic thing in the game. That's what they're saying. That's why I get so wound up. We're not talking about nuances of reward structure and random roles in perk depth. We're not We're not even talking about that. We're talking about people that are like, I, I, I can't even do the basic thing that I want to do. I guess I'll see you next season. I'll grab more. I'll grab power surge bounties then. Mr. Anderson, what are we getting today with the season? Oh, we got a new map for Gambit Prime, and uh, they rotated the bosses on Reckoning, so they're the Knights. Oh, Arkburn with the Fanatic? Not playing this. Gritter 14. Well, would you agree that the only thing we need in Destiny 2 Year 1 were random rolls, triumphs, tabs, collection tab, with everything else staying the same in order to respect our time? It was an extremely hardcore player in Division 1. And the one thing I loved about Division 2 Year 1 is that it respected my... Oh, Destiny 2 Year 1 is respected my time a lot more than Division 1. Funny how it's the opposite now. I don't know if they respected your time, though. I just feel like they gave you shortcut after shortcut. Everything was easy. Making things easy isn't necessarily a respect of your time because it, it, it cheapens your efforts. You're just getting everything like, like that. Uh, not me when I'm hungry. What do you think the difference between Reckoning, lots of ads, unsuccessful mode, and Crota's End, remaster challenge, where there were a ton of ads, but it felt good and actually challenging? I'll tell you the difference. There's a there's a couple. Let's list them all. Number one, you didn't feel like you needed the right modifiers and exotics to be successful and at your team's best. Number two, the window of failure is not five seconds. Number three, that window of failure is not brought about by an enemy slamming the ground. Uh, number four, modifiers turning enemies into one-hit kill machines, even when you're nowhere near them, doesn't really happen in Oryx. Obviously, if you get, I'm sorry, Crota. Obviously, when you get close to him. Those are the reasons why Reckoning is not fun and is not good endgame content. 
narrow, inaccessible, unrewarding. It just, it isn't, I've never had that experience in endgame content. Running challenges at Atheon, Axis, King's Fall, like all all of those, all of those endgame pinnacle pieces of content, even the Scourge of the Past fight, I've never once felt like, oops, someone made a mistake. Someone got bumped by a thing. We are now dead. Wipe. And we have to restart. Now, in the Oryx fight, maybe somebody kind of flubs their jump and falls. You're pretty much dundee. There weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of clutch moments in the King's Fall raid, but it wasn't nearly as punishing as Reckoning Tier Three. Oh, Tier Three Reckoning is just so punishing. That happened in every raid in D1. No, uh-uh. Axis, the Wrath of the Machine raid is one of the most clutchable raids in existence. Watch somebody double and triple cannon and you'll see what I'm talking about. You can run that and Vogue with like half of the team. Crota can be soloed. What are you talking about? You didn't fail any of those raids because one person got bumped by an ad or because one person died. For frick's sakes, normal normal Kingsfall had comebacks and clutches all the time because you could res people in normal. Like, no way. That was not happening in every raid in D1 at all. The defining points of most of those raids was that you could clutch and people could people could basically sit dead. Why do you think they came up with the stupid res token system in D2? We want people to be alive because, you know, that's important and people having hero moments isn't. So, uh, Wrath was the best raid experience I've ever had in Destiny. Yes, and there's reasons for that. There's layers of value in Wrath of the Machine. An internal currency that makes the raid have value after your first three runs. Uh, gear that's actually important. Perks on the armor that actually changes the flow of the combat in the game. Like when you get the, the gauntlets and you see the purple at dropping everywhere. Insanely fun, clutchable moments. Uh, mechanics that once mastered create efficiency and better, uh, better damage output. There are layers upon layers on why Wrath of the machine is a dadgum work of art and then you go into reckoning reckoning is like anything that's good about wrath of the machine is 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 like its antithesis is in reckoning almost almost narrowly clutchable almost no strategy or efficiency increasing by you learning the mechanics it's literally just you relying on stupid exotics and supers like and then the reward structure garbage literal garbage like if you compare reckoning tier 3 to wrath Wrath is laughing at the choir boy that is Reckoning 3 as far as endgame content. Wrath sits on a throne of royalty and chuckles at the meager, embarrassing, bad content that is Reckoning 3. What? What's your reward structure? Armor for Gambit Prime? What the frick is that? I give my guys rewards for the actual raid itself and they can invest in that armor with an internal currency oh my boss fights yeah they're clutchable intelligence strategy and changing different things that you're doing actually leads to better efficiency oh and if someone dies you can come back from that and you can feel pretty good about that what are you offering confused loot unrewarding loot terrible drop rate small window of fail getting bumped by an enemy that basically means you're starting over wrath is laughing at Reckoning 3. It's a choir boy in comparison. It's bad endgame content. It isn't good. As soon, dude, listen, as soon as you start looking at the structure of Age of Triumph or Wrath of the Machine, you start seeing how atrocious some of this content is with respect to endgame. 
It isn't good. It isn't. Even Scourge of the Past, beautiful raid, beautiful, but the reward structure is terrible, so nobody wants to run it. It's got half of its weapons are in the forges. That was such a mistreatment of that raid. I'm telling you what, if they would have brought the currency system, the extra chests, and the re-rolling of armor, if they would have brought that system from Wrath in Scourge, Scourge would be like a shining jewel of the annual pass. It'd be beautiful endgame content. Beautiful. But it's sullied by like a, oh, well, the rewards aren't even that great. Half of them aren't worthwhile. And yeah, I mean, armor drops. Good luck getting a full armor set from Curse with, I'm sorry, with from Scourge that actually has good perks on it. Seriously, the minute you just kind of stop and think about how bad Reckoning is in comparison to other content into content like you compare Reckoning to content like Wrath, it just becomes like a, it's like, this is a joke. This isn't good content. And the sad thing is, here's the sad, sad reality, okay? They could have made Reckoning 3 really, really good. If you're having an audio video desync, we've been through this a thousand times, refresh. It is not on my end. I did not suddenly desync. It is a Chrome issue and the Twitch app for whatever reason. Mobile almost never does it. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is. You can't really compare a raid to a four-player pub event. Oh, you better believe I will. Look at what's required of you in Reckoning 3. It's endgame content. It's brutal. People defend how punishing it is by saying it's endgame content. They said it was going to be quote-unquote raid-like, you know? You keep criticizing how all the bad things. Why do you even play anymore? I've already answered this question. Try to pay attention to what I've done with my platform since Destiny 2 launched. I'm, I'm showing that here's what's good, here's what's bad. I had an entire outline. I read through this. Maybe you weren't here for this. About here's what was great about the Forge. Here's what they got right in Season of the Drifter. If they were to combine these things, it would make the next annual pass really, really good. That's what I do with my content. You're just catching me mid-rant rant and cherry-picking and acting like this is all I do with my content. I literally did a talk today about the good and the bad and how this could make the future annual pass content better. I did the same dadgum thing leading up to Forsaken, and you weren't given me guff back then and we got forsaken which basically brought the game off of life support like don't don't come in here and confuse my frustration with like this why are you even playing anymore this is what i do this is what we should do bungie wants to know they're they're they've got to be collecting feedback on engagement right now they have to And I'm not committing a false equivalency when I compare Wrath to Reckoning 3. I'm not. And here's why. I also compared it to Scourge, okay? I also compared it to Scourge. If you're going to offer DLC content with pinnacle activities, and you're going to call one a raid and one raid-like, I'm going to compare it to the satisfaction that we got from Wrath of the Machine. Why? Because philosophically, you could create content that is clutchable has an internal currency has a sensible reward structure that's philosophical i'm not getting into the micro and saying well wrath was better because of because of uh scorch cannons wrath was better because of siva charges no i'm saying at a ground level the end game content was sensible and logical the, the even even the reward structure of 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 
Reckoning 3 as a pinnacle activity, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why am I going to bother grinding this? This armor doesn't actually do anything for me in Endgame. It's for Gambit Prime. Weapons are barely dropping. The chances of failing are you're on a you're on a hairline five second window with cheesy mechanics called knockback. So I'm not creating a false equivalency. I'm saying if this is pinnacle activities, look at Wrath. And from a philosophical standpoint, Wrath of the Machine is how you should treat the player in endgame content. Challenging, unique, clutchable, internal currency for investment, rewards that make sense within the context of the content, and a reason a reason to keep running it. Uh, and what else? What else? What else was I saying? I listed all those things earlier. I forget all the things I listed that were like value points in in, in Wrath's favor. Again, it's it's I'm coming at it from a philosophical standpoint. This is how you treat the player in the end game. It's not about the quality of the content. I actually think if you look, I honestly think this. I think if you look at the at the idea of reckoning, it's actually pretty cool. I love the idea of a speed like go 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 like Shirochi, right? In the in the last wish. I actually think that's relatively fun. I think the structure is really, really good. I think the rewards don't make any sense, okay? The rewards don't make any sense. And on top of the rewards not making any sense, the the fail the fail rate and the and the like kind of what's required of you when you're in there with respect to like exotics feeling like they're needed and the small window of failure and all that, that's more about treating the player. That's 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 how the content's treating the player. Again, Reckoning is cool. The environment is so cool. The Trials of the Nine areas are freaking awesome. Everything's all draped and white and just, I look like, we look like we're in some distant universe that we've never been to before. But then the content treats the player in such a way where it's like, dude, where is that attitude of, of, of Wrath of the Machine? Where is that attitude of Age of Triumph? Where did that go? Wilhelm's. Invader kills on Prime Evil Phase could spawn a meat could spawn meatball immune blights. Also, getting rid of the first invade at 25 or make invades every 30 to 45 seconds after 50 motes deposited could change the dynamic of Prime. Uh, also, to help Milo, invaders should get five to seven seconds of immunity once they get through the invade portal. Yeah, I don't know though because uh, I don't know. I've had guys invade and immediately they see me. And I think there's a real danger between what you do that, you do that and you give them some immunity. I don't know. Uh, that that could lead to a lot of frustration. If it's just a few seconds, number 1, is it going to be enough to save you from somebody who's zeroed in on you? Uh, number 2, uh, it could it could lead to more problems than it solves you know it could lead to more problems than it solves uh, a gay dog okay uh, do you think Bungie honestly intended for the season pass to be enough to replace DLCs like Curse of Osiris and Warmind do you think it is meant uh, to be the bare minimum I don't think it's meant to be the bare minimum I think it's meant to be drip feed content like drip feed content is meant to be Okay, here's something that we have for you, and it's going to come out in pieces. So, the pieces don't need to be bare minimum. Does that make sense? So, like, if you're going to say, okay, forges. I don't think forges were bare minimum. I thought the forges were actually kind of good. You you basically take, uh, it's a microcosm of a strike. Kill ads, satisfy a mechanic, fight a boss. It's a microcosm of a strike. Like, that's basically what the forges were. They were, they were just, you know... It was just a solid environment with a solid reward, uh, rewarding grind, and it was clear. It was clear that you were. Oh, I thought I would be able to make that. 
it was clear that you could you could basically just get a good turnover rate on the reward structure and just keep doing it. Uh, I better check these guys. Um, I better check. Oh my gosh! I did it just in time. Oh my gosh! I did it just in time to get that vigil of heroes. Literally, you wouldn't have been able to do that on console because of screen lag. Because of menu lag, you would not have been able to do that on console. I was not paying attention. They were both on void. Oh, whew, barely pulled that off. Uh, J. Chris, do you know what are the numbers between people playing regular Gambit and Gambit Prime? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. All I know is is that Gambit counts as PvP on Destiny Tracker, and it's 570k, 650k for PVE. So 570k is kind of where PvP was in general before season of the drifter so i don't know dude i just i don't know if we can even get a firm grasp on it i just i don't know i think people that like gambit prime are probably playing somebody came in this morning i think it was chester and he said the numbers are basically the same like gambit prime is getting the same engagement that gambit got it's not any it's not any different um so i i don't I don't have the uh, I don't have the answer for promoting engagement. I just know these are probably reasons why people aren't playing. Um, Notorious Jeremy, I know you suggested before for the future annual pass that Bungie could potentially rework old activities like EP and Blind Well. I agree with that idea. I'll be happy to see it. How drastic of a rework do you think would need to be for the community to consider it worthwhile? Update, man. Oh man, I'm so glad you asked this question because of something we said last night on the Rageous Roundtable about the Division Two. It does not matter how repetitious or even recycled the content is if it is rewarding people will play it division two feels like division one the gameplay from one encounter to the next is not that different but do you want to know why people are playing division two and praising it because it is rewarding it's rewarding that's it if i'm playing blind well if i'm playing blind well and i'm grinding and i'm getting a weapon every time and i know this is helping me work on this this is i'm i'm trying to get a god roll on the waking vigil or whatever the frick whatever it is that you're working on as long as you're seeing something drop every time you will keep playing repetitious content and recycled content is always accepted by people that are being rewarded why because they're not focusing on the content they're focusing on the reward people are clearing the map and strongholds and doing things in division two that's basically what they've done they they've done every section is kind of the same stuff but they don't care they're doing the looties and the shooties man they see the loot dropping on the ground and they keep playing you know, it's basically like Division 1, right? It's just cover-based shooting, right? It just feels like Division 1, right? Do you think anybody gives a frick about people saying that when they're like, Dude, I don't care. I've got all this loot. Look at the looties. Look at the shooties. Look at the purples and the blues and my booties. I made it rhyme. Like, you see what I'm saying? They don't care. They're getting loot. The number one and most consistent theme of praise for Division 2 is the loot they're getting loot it works man so they could restructure this is an absolute home run mountain of content for destiny is bring back all the unused year one stuff you know with random rolls or you bring it all back you repurpose escalation protocol blind well you repurpose uh all of the forges you repurpose uh what's the other one uh escalation protocol there's blind well 
uh, the forge grind in Curse of Osiris, you could bring back that as well, and all the forges. And then, even repurpose Reckoning. Oh, Infinite Forest. Sorry, Infinite Forest. Haunted Forest. You bring back all that content, and if it's, if it's, being, if it's super rewarding, I don't give a two hoots and a hollers about some dum-dum who gets on the forums like, Recycled content? Yeah. I don't think the player base at large would care if you're showering us with dope loot and dope stuff. Nobody would care. Now, somebody might push back and say, But Lono, in a min-maxing game, seeing lots of loot drop is very different than the way Destiny is structured. That is true. That is true. So I think to a certain extent, Bungie might have to think long and hard about what they do to incentivize us pushing forward. Pinnacle roles, unique perks, curated roles, that might be the reason to grind those activities because you're getting something that you can only get in there. And a lot of times I think this is where people make the mistake. They're like, you're never going to make a gun better than a Midnight Coup. You don't have to. Make a creative perk, make a hand cannon, make it as good as the Midnight Coup with respect to uh, ceiling of efficiency on killing ads, and people would chase it. You're never going to make anything as good as the Ikelos. Not true. You can make something as good as the Ikelos, give it a different perk set, give it a perk set that makes it at the ceiling of efficiency with respect to mid-tier damage. Same thing with all the power weapons. All you have to do, and this is again, this is why they need to go back to primaries, secondaries, and heavies, so that you're not. it's not muddled. We shouldn't have primary weapons in the energy slot. If you simplify the weapon system, what you are able to then do is you can create a very very clear ceiling of efficiency this is the absolute fastest you can kill ads with a primary weapon you got midnight coup you got a really good warden's law a really good blast furnace and the breakneck that's the ceiling of efficiency for a primary anytime you add a new primary weapon in the future grind that we're talking about all you got to do is give it a perk and a roll that's at this that puts it at the ceiling of efficiency that's all you have to do i don't need to go beyond this I don't know how how quickly can you really kill trash ads anyway. I don't need to go beyond this ceiling of efficiency. I just need to get there. Then I've got variety and then I've got new loot. You're doing the same dadgum thing in every other min-maxing game anyway. You're swapping out gear that's not that different from the gear you were already wearing, but the reason that you're swapping it out is because it's increasing efficiencies, or at the bare minimum, you're switching guns in the division, and it doesn't feel that different because why? It's just matching your damage efficiency that you were already at. This is why they need to get primaries out of the energy slot. Give us elemental primaries again. Primary, secondary, heavy. That solves the weapon system and makes it so much more simplistic. So then you look at snipers, fusion rifles, and shotguns. What's their damage efficiency? When they're at their absolute best context, a sniper being drawn back and shooting heads, a fusion rifle spamming, a shotgun gut busting. That's their context. That's how they're supposed to function. I still think they could throw SMGs in there, give them energy ammo, and have them function as a gut buster as well as another mid-tier weapon. You take all those weapons, what's their best context? What's their damage efficiency in that context? And then you just feed me snipers, fusions, and shotguns that are at that ceiling, and you use unique perks to do it. That's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. And if you're doing that, it doesn't matter that you've recycled Blind Well or Escalation Protocol or the Infinite Forest or the Forges or Reckoning. All these really, really nice pockets. The activities are actually good. Reckoning's a good activity, but the modifiers and the window of failure is the real problem. The actual activity is good. It's a, sp- it's a speed activity. I think there's room for speed activities. You take all those activities, you recycle them, and you put all this dope new loot in them. 
And I think people would chase the loot. The same the same reason they're doing it in Division. That's the same reason we're saying if Anthem can get the generosity right, people would come back to Anthem. Why? They will put up with mundane, repetitious, solid a solid content loop if if it's rewarding. They'll do it. They're doing it right now. We've always done it in Destiny. We've done it in other games. Like people will do that. They do it in uh, in Diablo. And here's the thing that people often forget. The content loop being satisfying is not purely related to getting, you know, uh, not purely related to the guns and how you feel. Oh, the guns feel cool. Oh, the javelins feel cool. That's part of it. The other significant piece of feeling feeling like a content loop is fun is is seeing stuff drop. Seeing stuff fall on the ground. You know? And people are saying there's only a handful of guns that are worth a crap in most encounters. Again, I think if you have a spectrum, Warden's Law, the Midnight Coup, a God Roll Blast Furnace, and the Breakneck, I think are all within, within, they're all close to each other with respect to damage efficiency. I think that. Now, some people's going to say, nah, Midnight Coup is still better. I'm telling you, the difference between how fast you're going to kill trash red bar ads and me is like so marginal. It's so marginal. You're you're you definitely might kill them faster than me, but if you give me perks, like I'll give you an example. That new scout rifle that gets like the really really big dragonfly, I was using that in Gambit and I was hanging back and I was charging it up and I was actually getting some some cool multi kills and some collats because I had dragonfly spec on it. And I was like, wow, this is this actually isn't so bad. I had to play a little bit different. And I told people, I was like, sure, I could load up my midnight coup and I could probably get get these enemies maybe a little bit faster but at the end of the day if it's within if it's within the margin of like feeling like yeah this is pretty efficient this is pretty close then that's all you really have to do as long as you're within that margin uh bumble 17 how about if a team is more than two stacks behind the invader can steal a stack from the opposing team with a team wipe so it is a catch-up mechanic but is you have one you have to earn yeah, I'm going to be way less likely to, 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 to say, let's bring in catch-up mechanics. I'm more inclined to say, I want that team to be a threat. They still need to be within reach. They shouldn't be within reach because you're, you're, you're letting them do catch-up mechanics. They should be within reach because they're a threat, and you being a threat means you did, you did the right thing. You, you navigated the right thing. Getting a team wipe and then taking away a stack and you being like, well, that's them being a threat... Yeah, maybe, maybe. It might be pretty easy to avoid that, though. You just hide. It'd be, I mean, team wipes aren't that easy if the team is spread out and hiding, truly. You got 30 seconds. The first two kills are going to eat up a lot of time because you're going to have to move to get to where they're hiding. And again, and again, if it's a race to kill envoys, they've already killed their envoy. They have no reason to be out looking for you. They can just hide, split up and go to four corners. You're never going to kill four people in four corners that are splitting up in 30 seconds. It's not going to happen. So you're going to come over, get kills, be a freaking nuisance. They're going to just wait and then you're going to leave and they're going to burn their next envoys. And here you come again, hoping to take a stack away. They kill those envoys. They split up. I just, I don't know. I think like it'd be really easy to not even have that be an issue because they would just split up and hide 
and you have to go to them if they're hiding. You can't, you're not going to be able to get them. They're just hiding behind walls. Sure, you can see them, but if they're not moving, you know, then you're done. FWC Guardian, do you think the leveling uh, artificially increased uh, player investment time for old content? I personally think if Bungie wants us to invest time in old content, they should update it with new loot. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely think this is something that I've been saying, is that if you want me to go into Gambit and Crucible, put loot in there. Put bounties like Ada, give get, give Ada style bounties to, cruci- to to the Crucible and to the Drifter, and then I'll go in there and grind. Right now, I go in there out of necessity, and then I get really angry because it's like, well, the only thing that would help me right now is a pair of gauntlets. So if I don't get a pair of gauntlets from this activity, I'm not going to level. It's just too narrowly like the the odds of you getting what you want are just really really slim. Do you think Bungie will ever hit the D1 TTK quality of D2? I'm telling you, I think Forsaken was a home run. I think they're just falling off the horse because they're experimenting with drip feed content and it's kind of weird. It's almost like it's almost like different teams with different sentimentalities were in charge because what they got right, think about it. It's so weird. What they got right in Season of the Forge, they got wrong in Season of the Drifter. So the agency of Ada and the bounties, they got right. The accessibility of the forges, they got right. Like, they got that right. Accessibility and and, and agency. Now, leveling sucked, but that's a global problem. That's not a content problem. That's not a problem with um, Season of the Forge or Season of the Drifter. Season of the Drifter lands, and it's like, hey, uh, there weren't any really good... There weren't any really that great perks. There wasn't any really great loot in uh, Season of the Forge. So here's some better loot. But then they add the better loot, and then you lose the things that were great about Season of the Forge. It's, it's, I don't know, it's super, it's super weird. It's super weird. One has what the other lacks. It's really, really bizarre. Uh, Mountain Dew, what if the Drifter called out when the enemy team killed their envoys? I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, hey, they just killed their envoys. You might want to hold off a minute. Something like that, maybe. Even still, even still, I, I, I guess you could say they, they might then try to memorize the rhythm to know when to invade. I don't know if that would even be possible, though. I got a six eight six. Dad, gum it, this leveling. Um. Yeah, I mean, they could try something like that. They could try something like that. You know. Their envoys are about to spawn. Get over there, Guardian. Slow them down. Something like that. Maybe. Maybe. People don't really pay attention. But that could at least inform a good invader. Uh, Sloth. What do you think opulence should focus on? More forge-type activities? Another planet? Public space? A raid? Season of the Drifter? I don't know, man. Like I said, pull from what was good in both. Ada had good agency and good accessibility good containers but didn't have very great loot there's great loot in forge but there's no agency there's there's the containers aren't very accessible they're not very fun uh mistrum with smart loot not getting four kinetic weapons in a row uh will that ever happen in destiny 2 it's not needed we've already addressed this just take the soft cap and put it one or two above your current level so if you're 660 things are dropping and they're helping you even if they're not milestones milestones are the opportunity to get a really big drop if you don't get a really big drop you don't feel like your time has been completely and utterly wasted um so you're able you're able to feel that sense of 
you're able to feel that sense of movement even if you had some bad milestones Claire, do you think the thorn is either broken or it may need a buff? Uh, I feel it doesn't work like it used to. I've heard that it's good in Crucible in the right places, but it's also very good in PvE, so I don't really care. Um, I don't care about the thorn. That's not important to me, and I don't use it enough to comment, but I'm hearing that it's good in Crucible, but you got to use it in the right context. Uh, Will Everett, do you think Season of the Drifter is going to have uh, any more content drops that can save the season, or do you think that this season is uh, already substantial enough for the amount that we paid for the annual pass? Uh, Season of the Drifter is done. Season of the Drifter is done. At this point, there's some free, there's some free seasonal event stuff near the end of it. But at this point, they're basically just going to be releasing uh, maps. I don't think there's much left. I don't think there's much left. Uh, now they could try and listen to the community and retool some things in Reckoning. Um, I think if they, if they maybe toned down Stomp or at the very least gave us more time. Because honestly, the only way the only way you're you're mitigating stomp is by either just like it doesn't get you, which comes down sometimes to RNG, uh, or or you give us a little bit more time, not a lot more time, just like dude, can we please have at least a chance to recover from you know from one person getting knocked and dying it's just I don't know getting rid of glass could help getting rid of glass could help um you know the street smarts bundles is giving you ornaments this is a direct path to ornaments I think this is a good decision I think this is a good choice uh a direct path to ornaments is smart um basically it's pricey what is that five dollars that's not bad five dollars for an ornament I think that's reasonable it's a good way to feed I think it's a good way to feed uh feed people stuff if they want to spend the money and generate and potentially generate some revenue um i think that's I, I i think that's that right there is not tone deaf this is what we asked for that's direct purchase i want this ornament i buy silver i get this ornament right so glass getting removed could help but like blackout being in there I, ugh, you're constantly getting pushed by thrall and you can have them pound the ground and it hurts you in the air there's still a lot of i don't know there's still a lot of things I think they need to look at. I think there's still a lot of things they need to take a glance at. We are going to go to our highest level character and do some simpler milestones. Uh, uh, Soliduo Gloria says, Given the general misses, do you think Destiny 2 has much longevity left now that everyone's grind is getting to the end? What are your thoughts on Polygon idea that Bungie needs to move Destiny to the World of Destiny model since the break from Activision? A lot of people are saying, go with the truer, bigger, open world MMO in the next game. World of Destiny. Little Light Radio. Honestly, I didn't see the difference between expansion pass and annual pass. To me, it's the same concept. Can you educate me as what's different? Well, the main difference is no story, no cutscenes, no new, no new uh, space, no new destination. That's the main difference, and that also means you don't get strikes because usually the the story has some strikes inside of it, right? You got some strikes inside of it. Um, that's the main difference. The other difference is there's a stronger focus on grindable content. The Forge's grindable. Gambit Prime and Reckoning, grindable. I'm not a fan of Gambit Prime and Reckoning. You might not be a fan of the Forge's, but they were grindable content. Logistically, I think it's smart. I do. Instead of, like, listen, here's why it's smart. That's the way people play Destiny. People play Destiny and they grind content. They run a loop. They don't necessarily, at least in my estimation, grind story missions. You know what I mean? That's not what they do. They they say, "All right, hey, let's uh, let's 
let's go and run strike let's go and run nightfalls let's go and run the raid we run loops so that the the uh no cutscenes oh i'm sorry we did get cutscenes that's true we didn't get a lot of cutscenes i misspoke we did get some cutscenes um I probably missed a ton of subs, dude. We've been going off. Bender with an entire year. Captain Beer with the Prime sub. Ten months from Deus and eight months from uh, Harpua. Thank you. Um, they focused more on the content loop. Run the forges. Run this. Run this. Blah 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 blah. Like that's what they focused more on. Uh, so we're supposed. Am I supposed to talk to Drifter? There's probably dialogue. I'm gonna go down there and wait until we're done with Q and A. Christine the God, don't you think it would be hard for Bungie to learn from the annual pass content between DLCs? Well, this might not inform Penumbra, but this could inform the next annual pass. It could inform the next annual pass. Streamline leveling, take enhancement cores out of infusion, that'll help accessibility. They could look at the structure of the reward system and say, look, we've got time between now and September. Give these new NPCs or give these new loot pursuits, give them, you know, bounties like Ada. That agency was praised. Give them more of it. Uh... Blonde Tornado, do you think the fact that the annual pass doesn't have strikes and crucible mats is a problem? No, because again, I think they're focusing on the actual loop. Now, crucible getting short change is fine, but do new maps really do much for you? I don't think they do. I don't think a couple of new maps would really change crucible all that much. I mean, I, it's a li- it, it would feel a little bit fresh. Maybe I'm not a pl- PvP player, so I'm speaking a little bit uh, presumptively, but I don't think a couple of maps would make a big difference. Mellow. Do you think they keep adding D1 weapons or if they added D1 raid strikes that it would negatively affect D2? No, I don't think that would bring it all back. I don't care. Bring back the raids, bring back the strikes. Uh, Bex says, would you say there's any big problems with D2 right now? And if so, what are they? Too broad. I've talked about all the leveling and infusion problems. I'm not going through all that again. That's way too broad of a question. Finally, Dunlop. Maybe a bit of a broad question, but do you think Season of the Drifter uh, do you like Season of Drifter? Do you think the lore has been introduced about him and the Nine? I love the story. I just don't like the I don't like the reward structure and the content. Blonde Tomato. Do you think the fact that the annual pass doesn't have strikes and crucible? Oh, we already answered that. Broski, with your idea of invading, why would we have different size blockers? Because that creates that creates intentional pain. It's a chess match. Is it better to bank a bunch of littles? Is it better to let the collector bank a big one and have him paired up with littles? That would be up to the players to decide what they think is best. That, do you see? It's like the different size blockers would be up to player agency and choice to come up with their own strategies. Charlie over here has got collector. We're going to let him get to 20 and then we're going to send over three littles with them. That could be freaking terrible to deal with. Or we've actually found instead of letting Charlie send his big one, it's better to send four mediums. You know what I mean? Just try a bunch of different things and just see what seems to stick. Uh, Drake Slayer, would you anticipate the time frame for Trials would be? I I have no idea when they're bringing Trials back, if at all. Johnny, uh, with the first annual pass winding down and Bungie being uh, separated from Activision and the associated studios, do you believe the annual pass drip feed release schedule of the traditional one DLC year is a better model moving forward? I think it's a better model because it more su- it's more suits our behavior. They just jacked up accessibility and leveling, and then the reward structures just aren't as good in Season of the Drifter as they were in uh, Forge. If they get rid of the invade at 25 and 75, it could open the window of competition, only one at 50. So when the primeval uh, is at play, every invader kill could spawn a meatball immune blight. I don't know if the meatball immune blight would really matter because if you're not damaging the boss, it doesn't matter. I'm not damaging the boss right now until stack like three or four. So you putting an immune blight on him, I don't give a frick. You do that all, all you do that all you want. Doesn't do anything. Just kill it when I need to. You know they're not that strong. Uh, dog. 
Do you think they could bring back test weapons from Banshee? I'd love for that. I love test weapons from Banshee. Promag, uh, what if uh, the first invade is timer-based? We already addressed this. A timer invade would be maybe potentially better to create more strategy about, you know you've got 10 seconds left, you better go bank. And then that creates more strategy about banking and sending and less influence from first invade. Uh, two minutes per invade, no wall hack. Uh, we got to give them wall hack. If you're going to create a really small window of opportunity for them to turn things around, I think that uh, you you got to you got to give them some advantages at that point. If we take away their influence, we can't take away their power. You're swinging at them twice. Bam! You take away his power. I'm sorry, you take away his influence. He can't invade as often, and when he invades, there's a less opportunity to steal moats. That's, you're taking away his influence. You can't also take away his power, too. That's a double whammy. You're making invasion a joke at that point. You're basically taking away what is the problem with invading when people are just rushing envoys, right? He has no influence. His power is meaningless at that point. Uh, Darth Piat. When getting a new exotic, uh, does it reignite your love for the game, grinding less painful? No, that's not how I think. So, Fly Knight. Bouncing off your answer on plus two blues and legendary drops, do you think that would be a good way of making public events feel useful again? It would make everything feel useful again. You could just play the game. You just go and do stuff. I'm doing my flashpoint. Or again, if so-and-so has a bounty that you're working on, like if Failsafe has a bounty for a gun that you're working on, your your efforts are multifaceted. You're grinding failsafe for a gun that you want on Nessus, and when you're on Nessus, you're getting plus twos from the public events, the lost sectors, and the adventures, because that's what she would be requiring you to do to satisfy her bounty. That's really satisfying. That's multi-purpose grind. Uh, H2 to Accord. With the Prime weapons having terrible drop rate and reckoning, and the weapons aren't even in Gambit Prime loot pool or milestones... What? They're in the loophole. You have to do specific things in Gambit Prime. Is Bungie stretching out the, thin, uh, out the content too thin? I, yeah, I do. I think they are stretching it way too thin. Let me get the stuff. Listen, listen. Who cares if I can grind Reckoning and get a gun every time? Oh, you're going to get the stuff too fast. Do you want to know what I'm not doing? I'm not playing. What's the point? What's the point? If it's too, if, if, oh, it's too rewarding. The sphere being too rewarding, people are going to stop playing. Do you know how long it takes with the eight of bounties to get the roll that I wanted? It took forever. And I was getting one like every two forge, every two or three forge runs, I was getting a gun. And it took forever to get rolls that I wanted. If you make it rewarding, we don't stop playing. I played like crazy in Season of the Forge. I'm not touching the new content now because it's not rewarding enough. You're getting the opposite result. If they're trying to stretch the content thin so that we play for longer periods of time, it's not working. Everybody that I grind forges with, everybody that I chase god rolls with, they've all just drifted away. It's not rewarding. You're 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 short-circuiting your own aims if that's what they're trying to do. Uh, dog, do you think they should bring back Rift Crucible mode? No, Rift was terrible. It was just a spawn trap for smart teams. Angelus, don't you think Gambit was supposed to combine three PVE players and one PVP player together? That the problem being that usually that's not the case. Usually they're all four PVE players and the balance is skewed. This is why. You don't bring a game into the game into Destiny that's a PvP game mode in disguise, because most of the people that play this game play PVE. Accept it. Suck it. Trials didn't save this game. PvP didn't save this game. Most of the people that play this game play PvE. That's a four-year undeniable stat. And here comes Gambit as a PvP game mode in disguise, and that's why people get frustrated, because they come into the game mode and they have PvE sentimentalities, and 
they're like, great, it's another PvP game mode that I'm not interested in. They should have just shoved Gambit and Crucible and called it a day so we at least know what we're signing up for. That's the problem with Gambit. It's PvP in disguise. It's not a PvE mode at all. The most influential things in the game are PvP oriented. I don't care how many moats you bank, I don't care how many HVTs you kill, invading is the single greatest determining factor of Gambit. It should have just been in Crucible. And then at least people would have known it's a PvP game with some PvE on the side. I don't know. Reception of Gambit was good at the events when it was more of a back and forth because PvE had more of a presence. But even back then, people were celebrating Gambit because they had really great what? Invades. Anybody you talk to that played at E3 or Guardian Con, they were the I invaded and got a bunch of people. Even back then, the primary satisfaction and like injection in your brain of like, ooh, was from a good invade. So... And, as, and PvP players aren't satisfied, as, as Zucker's saying. I don't think a lot of people that want, like, uh, if you're wanting trials, I, I don't think this is the answer. Chando69, what if both teams always invaded at the same time, but the team that banked 25 got spawned closer, more advantageous spot? Yeah, maybe. We're just getting too down into the micro. I, I, I've already put out what I think they need to do. Uh, thank you, Harpua20, for eight months of subs, and Toasty for a brand new Prime sub. Uh, rain bin. What should they do about heavy ammo? Make it more consistent, or at least, uh, or at least explain how it works. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any thoughts on heavy ammo. I think the nature of invasion needs change before they even look at that. Uh, Pedro, how about the opposing team have a portal to invade with your team collect when your team collects twenty five modes? It would give a chance for teams to use that chance to change the outcome of the match. Thoughts. You're still, you're still creating, you're honestly, you're probably creating more influence on invading. That's even more influence. As soon as you get to 25, you you collect, you haven't banked yet. That sounds terrible. That means every time we hit 25, we're in trouble. I, I don't know. I feel like people would basically just bank 20 and then they'd all get fives and hopefully get 25. I don't know. That just feels like people would cheese it. Working Blade. What if invasion is random through the match for both teams, but only one at a time? No, you don't want it to be random. You don't want to be random because then someone would win or lose based off of RNG. The timing of invasion would determine what happens. Well, we our, our invade came up randomly and they didn't have any moats. And their invade came up randomly and I was sitting on a 15. Like, you don't want to do that either. Uh, son of God. Do you think the annual pass is anti-consumer? The fact that they can't buy each season separate? No, that's a, I, that, that's one of the dumbest contentions I've ever heard. It was $35. Buy it or don't. It's, it's not that expensive. Uh, free script. How would you change or replace uh, a boss shot mechanic um, that isn't intensive to asset changes? I, I don't know what that question means. Loyal. Uh, how do you feel about the lack of factions in year two? I would love for them to bring back faction rallies. I've got ideas about that in another video. Uh, Law. Do you feel the Drifter's story and lore is com- uh, comprised by Gambit and Gambit Prime? Well, I mean, it's attached to it, of course. What do you mean it's comprised? It's attached to that and the Nine. I don't really get deep into the lore, though. He said boss boop? Oh, boss boop. Well, yeah, they need to change mechanics and assets. I've already said that. That's You're asking me if the sky is blue. Yes, they need to get rid of the boss boop and give them other mechanics. I've said that numerous times. I, that, that's not even really a question at this point. 
Uh, what is your opinion on heavy RNG component getting seals like Wayfair? I mean, I, we've already talked about that. I, it, none of the titles should have RNG attached to them. Chin BR, being a D1 player, I feel like they really messed up by switching to powerful gear activities. Uh, wouldn't RNG on any activity be better like D1, as well as really cool strike-specific weapons? Yeah, we've already talked about that. We've already talked about RNG and the leveling. Do you think that Destiny will eventually become like Black Ops 4 and become Battle Royale-based game? That's a dumb question. Uh, Jam and Photo, I think loot... Uh, I think loot people grind for should be have unique perks usable anywhere like Crota armor had perks uh, that produced orbs killing hive on a melee or Vogue had orb producing on kills I think if gear has benefits unique but also helped outside the activity well but no but that's not true though because Vogue had Oracle Disruptor and the Crota gear had the Overshield uh, Oversoul stuff had the Oversoul stuff no it had perks specific to the encounters as well I think that's good. I think it's good. I think having them be like a little bit better or maybe higher chances of enhance is also a good decision. Um, Era Hero. What if instead of wall hacks, the invader had super extended radar? Maybe. Again, you're getting into the micro. I'm not trying to solve the micro. I'm trying to solve the macro. The big picture is invasion, the nature of invasion. Mystery Beat. What if the invasion portal was always open but led to infinite forest-like tunnel that invaders must run through before reaching the actual portal, which is still open at 25? Teams that are behind could defend against invaders in the tunnel but risk moat collection. Yeah, you're. this is way out of left field. This is far too complex. I think at a ground level... Putting invasion on a timer makes more sense because the team knows we have exactly a minute and a half to get moats and bank. And if we take too long, they're going to invade. Maybe make it even longer. Maybe make it two and a half minutes. So you have time to go from the first section to the second section. So again, it's on those players. If you're risking and going for big blockers, that has a big influence over the game, right? But you're also risking running into the invader. If you're only banking and sending small blockers, you're not really influencing the flow of the game, but you're taking the safer bet. So I think invading being on a timer would be far better, and then it's fine for him to have wall hacks and an overshield. Why? The window of opportunity of him even getting moats and and having influence is really, really thin. You know? Really, really thin. Because he's going to come over, there's going to be one guy with moats. Because the team's going to be banking like crazy. He comes over, he's got one guy with moats. He needs all those advantages in his corner. And if he gets somebody, he probably deserves it. If he snipes them, if he pushes them, whatever. Now that would lead to people hiding. But again, remember the power of hiding. If they all hide, if there's two people with moats and they just hide the whole freaking time and the other two people hunt him down, that's strategy, but that strategy comes with intrinsic pain. They're not collecting moats. They might be losing moats on a moat drain. While this is happening, the other team is going up to the next the next threshold or the next bank or they're continuing to send blockers. So even if they hide, invasion would still have a pretty heavy influence. But again, if it's on a timer, you limit how often that influence shows up so it doesn't completely turn the tide of the entire game but it does give you advantages if you invade first um, or if you have a good invade well I guess not invading first if you're both invading at the same time it would come down to you having a good invade so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the questions right here after milk ban to add on to your mechanic of invade timer uh, what if they did random invade from the area on the plate think Vogue again no no if you're collecting moats have moats or in the middle of something and all of a sudden you get yanked out of it 
you do not want random invade. You want it to be initiated by the player. If it's every two minutes, every two and a half minutes, every three minutes, whatever, and you go up to the thing and you go over, it needs to be initiated by the player. It can't be a random person and it can't happen randomly because that would determine who wins and loses. That was That's RNG defining the, deciding the fate of the game and that's I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm going to close it there. Don't go anywhere. I have an SNTR and another Q&A plan for Division. We are going to be talking about the presence and the power of abilities. So don't go anywhere. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Look me up on Twitter or Twitch to come in and watch and throw me a follow. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.